church to have so many very, very talented, godly people in various parts of ministry at High Point Church. Um, as a church, we have been so blessed and are so blessed to have Pastors Christy and Rick Menchu here with us. Um, and although things have been different recently, they have stepped right into other roles. Um, Pastor Christy taught Bible study a couple weeks ago, did an amazing job. And this morning, I'm going to ask my friend and our youth pastor, Pastor Rick, I'm just going to turn this all over to you. Do you need this way? Okay. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor David. It really is an honor to be able to share today. Um, I know that's what everybody says, that's guest speakers, but it really is. Um, to just be able to bring the word and share what God has shown me. And the title of my message today is Truth. Truth. Um, I've been a Christian my entire life, as far as I can remember. My mom and dad were uh, children's church pastors, and I remember puppets and kids' crusades where hundreds of kids would come and would have the gospel poured into them. And I, I grew up in the same church uh, pretty much my entire life until I graduated uh, high school. And ministry, full-time ministry, uh, you know, going to youth camps and summer camps to work as a worker or being there myself, uh, being part of worship teams, being part of the youth group of preaching and doing missions and going overseas and doing missions, um, working with orphans overseas, and now along with our ministry that we do now uh, with human trafficking, my whole life has been wrapped up in Jesus. But Christy hit on this uh, last time she spoke, but in the past year and a half or so, God has just shown us things that has shown me that there's more to it. And that's what I want to be able to share today. It's truth. And when Pastor Dave asked me to speak, I went over in my head, what do I want to speak on? And I was praying about it. And truth is what came to me and from then on until yesterday it has just been a mind melt and a battle of just feeling like a, a plateau or a ceiling trying to break through to grasp on how to articulate this to you and and I know it's a spiritual battle because Satan does not want you to hear this he wants you to remain where you are and not grow and not understanding or not grow in more knowledge of God. So let's begin. God, I just thank you for today. And God, I give you this platform, and I give you myself, God, to just share your word. Holy Spirit, speak through me as people watch this, Lord God. I pray that you just prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits. In your holy name I pray. Amen. So what is truth? Let's begin there. Webster's Dictionary says, 
the body of real things, events, and facts. Another one is a judgment or proposition or idea that is true. A state of being the case. This is an interesting one. A transcendent fundamental or spiritual reality. Here's mine. What it is. Truth. But we as people interpret based on knowledge and understanding that we have. So as truth comes in, we have to take our experiences and our knowledge to try to dissect it and create it and see it for how we can understand it. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And listen to this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In another versions of the Bible, when it talks about do not be conformed to this world, it says do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Well, let's see about the world and how their patterns work. So when we take truth, the world is going to dissect it as how it sees it and how it responds to it. But if the world has patterns, that also means that God has a pattern. And that's what I want to dig into today. Me saying that I've been a Christian my whole life, I don't know how long you've been growing in God and been a Christian and serving Him, whether you've never known Him before. Let's just make our minds open today, as this scripture says, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And put aside experiences and knowledge for a moment to truly hear things that we might have heard in the begin, uh, before. Just like a while back when I preached before, I said, I'm going to say things that you've heard multiple, multiple times. I'm going to do it again here. And I want you to be able to be transformed, become new in this, by the renewing of your mind. Can you do that with me this morning? I want to talk about truth today. So real quick, I'm going to take a step back to kind of set up how I want to talk about this, okay? And we're going to get a little sci-fi and a little bit about science, but even though there's a lot of scientists out in the world that try to disprove God, when I look at science and I see how God moves through science, for one thing, Him creating it, I think it gives Him validation and also compliments Him in science to show proof that He exists. And all these scientists that try to show that He doesn't exist to me, I'm just like, how can you be so blind? So just stick with me here because we're going to get into science just a little bit so I can set up my sermon. But right now, a lot of physicists are dealing with things of dimensions and trying to comprehend things that are outside of our own dimension. And uh, a lot of scientists are starting to talk about the Tesseract, and I know you've seen the Marvel movies and they talk about the Tesseract and all, but I don't even know how they came to calling it the Tesseract, but they start talking about a fourth dimension. So I'm going to break this down, and this is going to help with my sermon, so just stick with me, okay? Okay. 
So a point, just a point, right, has no length, no width, no height, nothing. It's just a point. It has no dimension. It's zero dimensions. If you take a point and make another point and draw a line to that point, those two zero dimensions now have created one one-dimensional thing, a line. Line has length, right? It has, doesn't have width. It doesn't have height. A line just has length. So by taking two zero-dimension objects, you can create a one-dimensional object. Scientists go on to say, if you take four lines, four one-dimensional objects, you can create a square. Now, what does a square have? has length, and it has width. So, so I'm not losing you. I'm going to repeat this. Two zero-dimensional objects can create a line which is one-dimensional. If you double that to four, four lines can make a square which creates a two-dimensional object. So we're at two, we're at four. Let's jump up to six. Six squares creates a cube, right? A cube has length, it has width, and it has height. If we continue with that number of two and four and six and eight, if we wanted to get in a four-dimensional realm, we would have to take eight cubes to create whatever that would look like. And this is where it gets funny because scientists, if you use physics, which physics up and down, left and right, I mean, they can plan out when meteors are going to fly by our earth. I mean, the numbers, the math, all of this is to God. I'm giving glory to God here to make a point. But that I cannot even fathom what that object would look like of trying to take eight cubes and piece them together. Because guess what? I'm a, thir- a three-dimensional person. The only thing I can understand is length, its width, and its depth. I can't understand a fourth dimension. But does God only operate in this realm? Or is there a spiritual realm as well? And it got me thinking where this one scientist that was explaining all this, and it just it stuck out to me and I wanted to share it. But this is a piece of paper, right? It's got length and it's got width. And yes, it's, it's got a little bit of depth, but it's pretty much flat to us. Well, let's say you were taking a person that lives in this dimension, a two-dimensional man named Bob. We'll call him Bob for fun. And now I want to have a talk with Bob and explain to him this object right here. How do you think Bob would interpret this object in his world? Because what I would have to do is pass it through his, ob- his uh, world, right? So to Bob, if I pass this through his dimension, he would see a point all of a sudden, right? And then he would see a circle, and a circle getting bigger and getting bigger and getting bigger and getting bigger, 
And then it would start getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it was a point and it was gone. Now you and I who exist in a third dimension totally understand what a sphere is. But to Bob, all he saw was points and circles. Now to get away from the science part and really into my sermon, the reason why you're like, Rick, why are you sharing all that? is to just open your mind for a minute that it doesn't matter how old you are, young you are, what you know, how smart you are, intelligence, anything. There's more to life and more to God that we don't know. And that goes back to Romans 12 is be open today. Even if you hear things you've heard before, be open to it to see it deeper than you ever have to look for it more than you ever have and to be awakened and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and don't be like Bob that's trying to interpret based on his knowledge because his knowledge is only width and length because what's so awesome is that God did not put us on this earth so we have to interpret he has made us where we can be in relationship with him that we can see it through his eyes And that's what I want to share this morning. Truth. Do you know that there are over 222 passages of truth? So it got me thinking. Because you hear spirit of truth, you hear spirit and in truth. And some of the scriptures that just jumped out at me the other day, and I've I've read over these, I don't know how many people just skipped this stuff. But it's in uh, 2 John and 3 John. But in 2 John, verse 1, it says, The elder, to the elect lady and her children, listen to this, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God and Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in love and in truth. 3 John says, The elder, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, these are just openings to John writing these letters. But it hit me is why is he saying to these people I love in truth? And it got me thinking, truth, 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 truth. Why is, what, what is John been made aware of that now he can love someone? And I know it's just an opening of a letter, but there's something deep in that. Because John has become aware of some truth that now he loves people through. And that's what I want to talk about. So I'm just going to pull out my phone. It was just the easiest way to have all these verses ready. But I'm just going to read a few that talk about truth. I love this one. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses... 
but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. And here's one right here. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this got me thinking when I read this scripture because I have heard this scripture so often in my life. I am the way, direction, right? Jesus talks about it. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I am the way, direction to God, the truth. Honestly, as deep as I've ever dug into that would be to God's not going to lie, right? He tells the truth. He, he does the truth. He's reality. He exists. The, you know, he, like, if there's good and bad, bad must be lying. Truth must be on the good side. Cool. And then life, right? We get to go to heaven. That's how I used to just, I just took it at face value. The way, the truth, and the life. But it got me thinking that he said, I am, which is to be. So God is. This got me thinking. What is God? What makes up God? You ever had a bonk moment? Like, like somebody bopping you on the head and then like an epiphany happens. You're just like, whoa. Well, that's what God did to me. So I want to jump over to 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So going back to saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is referring to himself to say something that he is. And here in John, it says that God is love. So what is love? Let's jump over to 1 Corinthians 13. In verse 4. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and it is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked and it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. For love never fails. Mm. One thing that really sticks out to me is that love does not seek its own. That what that means is it's not seeking out someone. It means seeking its own behalf. 
that it doesn't seek its own protection. It doesn't seek its own self-preservation to protect itself from danger or harm or hurt or pain. So I want to jump in John 18, verse 33. Because this just... I've never had this scripture hit me as hard as it did. It said, Then Pilate entered the Praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking to yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, Listen to these words. You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Then Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he said this, he went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. This scripture hit me. It says, For this cause I was born. What cause? The cause of love? You want to know truth today? Is that God loves you. I know you hear it all the time. I know non-Christians have heard it. Jesus loves you. And this is a shout out to Craig because he had wrote it in this uh, thing he was writing that he asked me to read and I loved it and I asked him if I could take it. So I'm giving him a shout out so you know where it comes from. But let's read 1 Corinthians 13 again. It says, Jesus suffers long and kind. Jesus does not envy and he does not parade himself around and he's not puffed up. He does not behave rudely, and Jesus does not seek his own. He's not provoked, and he thinks no evil. He does not rejoice in iniquity, but he rejoices in truth. Because Jesus, who is love, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Because love never fails. So when Jesus stood at Pilate, He said, for this cause, I am standing here today. Because I even love you, Pilate. And I love this nation that you're about to turn me over to. This was a deliberate cause, not from a God that was frustrated or worked up or mad. But that he was operating in love to a human that we cannot fully comprehend with our own knowledge and experiences and understanding in our life to really identify what love is.
To have God of the universe to say, I'm going to come down and stand here and be able to say, for this cause I was born. For my love for you, I stand here born. And for this cause, I have come into this world that I should bear witness to the truth. That God loves us today. So Rick, how can I apply all this? Let's go a little bit deeper. I want to jump back over to John 4. We're going to read through 7 and 8, and then we're going to keep going. It said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Propitiation means appeasing, appeasing God of our sins because, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I love this right here. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. I think at a face value, we, we grasp love of God. Like, yep, sent His Son, boom, He came here and died for our sins. But we go through our days... And it's going back to what I preached before about identity is that we struggle with guilt, shame, and condemnation when we as a person has stepped up to say, I am accepting what Jesus did on the cross for me and saved me. And now I've been having all of my sins completely washed away. And we look and identify and try to trigger things in our lives. It's like, well, God wouldn't be happy with that. Well, God would be upset with this. Well, I should have done more. Well, I should have tried this. Well, I should have said something to that person. I should have done this. And though there is a little bit of truth in that, because we are becoming new creations into God, that, yes, we should see someone that we should go speak to or pray for someone or not do this or not do that because now I am a new creature and I am trying to live right. We just start juggling all of this guilt, shame, and condemnation that the love of God just really starts getting pushed away for what it is. God loved you first before you were saved. So you're at ground zero at that point anyway. So whatever you're trying to do and work up and grow and do, I'm not saying it's a pat on the back to say, oh, I'm better than what I was yesterday. But it does not give you a right to turn around and say, well, God can't love me in this regard now. God is constantly with his hand out saying, come on, come on, you messed up, you messed up, get right with me, okay, come on, come on. Oh, you messed up again, come on, get right with me, okay, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Because love, God is love, does not seek his own, does not think evil of you. God never thinks evil of you. Which goes to my first point. If you'll put it on the screen, please. 
So to be able to walk in this truth that I'm talking about, you first have to be able to, to, to identify how God sees you. Going back to what I talked to before when I said we are eternal beings completely designed to be in relationship with the Father. And sin has separated us from that. And our Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth to stand for a cause out of his love for us to make us right with the Father again. And out of that love, if you mess up, you can repent and be made right once again. I said this was black and white. You're either at peace with God or at war with God. I am right today in God. I might mess up tomorrow. I might get mad at a Walmart shopper. I don't know. But right now in this moment, my heart is set on God. And I am forgiven of my sins for what Jesus did on the cross for me. So when God looks back at me, he sees Jesus. Because Jesus paid what I owed. You have to get this. If you, you cannot move in this truth. You cannot operate in this truth if you do not identify yourself to what I'm saying right now. You have to understand your identity. We were designed to be sons and daughters of God. Not live out in sin and just be always trying to get that. Because it wasn't that God was frustrated and had his rules and regulations that we had to follow. He had his rules and regulations, but he loves us. Not a human love that we try to say, well, if you're sweet to me, I'll be sweet back. It's like, no, I will go to hell for you to regain you back. And I'm not seeking my own. And I'm not being puffed up. I love you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind today. Let that sink in that God loves you. And not on a human level. Not in, not in Bob's world, right? See, get close to God so you can see how God loves you. And not in Bob's world. And once you begin to do that, you can go to step two. If you'll throw it up there, please, Miss Ruthie. Secondly, you have to know the truth of how God sees everyone else. Now, these work in chronological orders. The reason why I put the first one first, because if you can't do this for yourself, you're not going to be able to do it for other people. If you can't identify yourself and the value that God saw in you, how are you going to be able to see value in other people? Because they're going to come to you with their problems and their struggles and their pains. And they're going to come to you, some not knowing God at all. And how can you tell them if you're not able to live it yourself and be in it and know your identity and identify so you can show them how to identify? You know, Jesus paid the exact same price for them that he paid for you. And then number three, you have to be transformed to become love. So I want to jump back over to 1 Corinthians 13.
when you learn to identify in the love of the Father for yourself, and then you learn to identify other people who are in that same situation with God and seen with the same value, we are made in the image of Christ and likeness of Christ. The image and the likeness. You know, Christy talked about it. We should be a different answer for the world. The world has answers for people. We should be a different answer. We should be able to suffer long and be kind. We should not envy. And we should not parade ourselves around or get puffed up. And we shouldn't behave rudely. And we should not be seeking our own. We should not be easily provoked and we should not see evil in people. We should not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in truth. And by understanding our identity and the identity of his others, we should be able to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. So just jumping back over to 2nd and 3rd John as his opening remarks. I think we can get it now when he's just writing a letter saying to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth. And not only I, but all those who have known the truth because of truth which abides in us will be with us forever. John understood his identity. And as he wrote this letter, he understood the identity of those others he was writing truth to. And he saw them in truth. If I can do anything else for the rest of my life, is I want to be able to operate in this truth and operate in the love for others. Because if God is love then that should be what I am going for. And everything else that if I can't find it in God, then I don't want it. And I know this is simple, and some of this might be blowing over your heads because I'm trying to articulate it so much. But for John to be able to sit here, a man that sat with God, sat with Jesus while he was on earth, to hear him speak, to be able to see him speak with the crowds and then be able to get along with him. And some of the, we might not even get it because the Bible doesn't talk about it, but how many conversations would John probably have with Jesus? It's like, well, what did that mean? And why did you say that? And just think about Jesus just pouring into him. And truth, truth becoming more knowledgeable to him. That truth is love. Every single thing that we will ever operate in our lives is wrapped up in love. Because if you go to the ground of it, sin and separation from God, it was God paying a price, but what led up to wanting to pay that price? Foundation of the world stuff. Love. you getting this? Because I was thinking about it when they were doing worship. 
it's easy to say, well, Jesus was God and, you know, he loves us and, of course, he was going to come to the earth and die for us and all, but I just picture Jesus sitting around a fire with his disciples and they're, they're cutting up and they're making jokes and they're probably glancing at him trying to see if they made him smile or not. And he's just sitting there and he's looking at them and he, he knows that they're all going to leave me. And there's Peter over there that's going to just straight up deny me. And there's Judas over here that's going to betray me. And that he would go along in the garden and just pray to God, even to the point where he prayed, is that if this cup can be taken from me, do. But if it's your will, I'll do it. And all operating out of love. I know we just take that at face value, but that's crazy. That's something so simple that we can easily offer to someone. Like when Mike's nice to me, I can somewhat love him by being nice back. But can I just for once just be able to love him as God loves him? For one thing, i got to get myself right to identify to it. But then be able to go to him and love him and take time with him. And see him or anybody else as God sees them. And not to be seeking my own. It's like, this is a boring conversation. I'm ready to get out of this. Or, that's going to take a lot of time to drive that person somewhere. Because now we're getting into practicalities. And we love taking our experiences and knowledge to, to use practicalities to justify ourselves. Like, ah, oh, car broke down for this guy. Oh, he, he's got AAA. He could call a tow truck. Or I could just drive him over there and take him to his house. Blah, whatever it might be. And on that t drive, I'm going to tell him about the value that God sees in him. Craig is killing it right now with the people that he is hitting up left and right. He blows my phone up saying, Rick, I just talked to another person about their value. And they're getting it. And they're coming to be baptized. That's what we should be about. So going back to Jesus sitting there by the fire. And the fire's starting to wind down and all of his disciples are going to sleep and he's going to sleep and he's probably talking to God, telling him good night. But then Jesus is waking up the next morning because, you know, we see movies, we see The Passion of the Christ. Uh, there's that Chosen series out that's awesome, by the way, if you haven't seen it. But they're trying to wrap three years into like two hours. But think about the day and night, day and night, day and night that Jesus would wake up did he stub his toe and should he got frustrated at stubbing his toe one morning? Did he, was he just kind of tired because he was in a human form and these crowds are just flocking him to say, I'm tired, just go away for a little bit? Or did he wake up deliberately every morning to say, I love God and I'm going to love these people? I'm telling you, that is what I am trying to do every single morning is wake up and be ready to love, to identify in who I am in Christ, to identify in everyone else around me. And as I go forth, whether it's at Walmart, at the gas station, if I'm standing over there, just the other night when we were coming home, these people lost their keys in their car and he's got a broke foot. I was praying for the keys to be found. I was praying for his messed up foot. 
I was at uh, Whataburger the other day, and she, this woman having a knee trouble, I was praying for her. I was praying for the hotel guy, telling Randy exactly who he was in Christ, and he's just sitting there blown away. That's how I want to wake up every morning. And if you're not, you're not really being the likeness in the image of Christ, because guess what? God is love. And that's why the number three is the hardest. But God gives us the rule book, the manual, and the path to be able to walk. So if you're sitting here today, for one, you're saying, Rick, I don't understand my identity. Your identity is that God saw so much value in you that he came and took your place for what you should have paid to make you right so you never have to be separated by him again. And the fact that he operates in love, if you mess up, you can be made right again to be right back with him completely holy and blameless again. Number two, if you're struggling to be able to see people in that way, you have to understand that Jesus paid the exact same price that he paid for you. And we're all equal at that level. And number three, to become love, read over 1 Corinthians 13. If you're like, Rick, I I get mad, I get frustrated, pray to God. Because it's by spending time with him. You, ha- you have to. You can't just walk and just like, yep, God, I got it, and just walk. you got to get along with him. you got to allow this, this scripture, these scriptures to be able to jump out of you. I've said this is a heart book, not just a mind book. You have to be able to let this jump out to you to become real so you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why are you frustrated at your wife? What thoughts are running through your head? What if for a moment that you could be transformed by the renewing of your mind and see her exactly as God sees her and love her? Because if we're operating in love, there's a pastor named Dan Muller. He talks about, I don't get mad anymore at people because I don't need anything from them. Need. Because I don't seek my own now. I'm not seeking self-preservation. That's what a lot of Christians struggle with of even sharing the gospel with someone. It's self-preservation because that person might get mad, that person might get frustrated, that person might get just look at me weird and it's embarrassing to me. If we're operating in love, none of that matters. It doesn't matter how silly we look. And if I can leave something practicality with you, I'll tell you, if you want an easy way to get to someone and talk to them about Jesus... Go up to them and say, has anyone ever told you the value that God sees in you? Because nine times out of ten, no one has ever heard it preached that way. They've always heard that you're a sinner and you need to get right with God. Instead of saying, you know what, you're a sinner, but God sows so much value in you that he died on the cross for you so you could be with him. See the same story but different approaches? Because people are like, no, I've never been told the value of me. Cool, let me tell you about the value. And then you just jump right in there. But you got to be operating in love. You got to know who you are. You got to know who they are. And then you got to seek God out in prayer, in worship, in reading the word to grow in love. And ask God, God, help me to love people. Please. God, I just thank you right now. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this audience. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to pour out. God, thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for standing in front of Pilate and explaining to him 
the cause of why you were born. The reason behind why you came to this earth was because you loved us and you wanted to bring us back into relationship with you. And you paid a cost, God. You paid the price that we were to pay. God, I pray you help us identify with that and see other people in that too, God. God, let our hearts hurt, God, because you're coming back so soon. And if we can't care about people's souls, God, then what are we? People are hurting today and they need to know the truth, God. It's the groans of the world. Even when they're angry, God, it's the groans of the world. Help us not care about being embarrassed or being silly or being neglected or being pushed away. But to share your word and to share truth. And just help us today, God, to become love. And I thank you, God. And before I end this, um, I don't know, everybody seems to love it that I've shown it to. And I, I wanted to show you a video because um, I spoke to you about the patterns of God. And um, I was talking a little bit, you know, about science and physics and different things about how it glorifies God and it compliments Him and validates things to just show proof of Him. And I just really thought that this video would be a good way to end this today. So, Danny. He says, praise Him, sun and moon, and praise Him, all you shining stars. That's not just a poetic idea. That's really happening because stars don't just... He says, praise Him, sun and moon, and praise Him, all you shining stars. That's not just a poetic idea. That's really happening because stars don't just shine. Stars also sing. Let me just show you a couple more stars. This one is called the Vela Pulsar, and it's magnificent. It's a thousand light years away. It's a highly magnetized neutron star. Right. It simply means this star exploded into a supernova, and in the case of the Vela Pulsar, it collapsed back on itself in a magnetic entity and as the pulsar, it began oscillating on its axis. This one oscillates 11 times a second on its axis. And as it is oscillating, you can see what's happening. It's shooting a radio frequency out of itself. When they aimed the radio telescopes at the Vela Pulsar, this is what they heard. And this is what this guy does 24-7, day and night, 365 days a year. This is what, from a thousand light years away, the Vela Pulsar sounds like right now. This is it. Listen to this. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, that blew me away. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. 
you're like, well, what does it mean? I don't know. Is that some kind of Morse code for something? Or what, what, what does all that mean? I don't know what it means, but, and I don't want to you know, go too crazy here, but maybe the Vela Pulsar got wind somehow innately of Psalm 148, verse 3, and says, it says, praise him, sun and moon, and all you shining stars. We're a shining star. We should praise him. Well, how are we going to praise him? I know. Let's oscillate 11 times a second on our axis and see if we can send a radio signal into the universe that would join in the symphony of God's praise from all creation. It's singing. The stars are singing to him. I recently stumbled on 47 Tuck. It's a a beautiful uh, cluster of stars. We'll show you the picture of it here. There are 12 of these super giant blue stars in there, but the things that are of interest to us tonight are these millisecond pulsars. And right now tonight, while we're sitting in this room, the 16 recorded millisecond pulsars and 47 tuck are making this sound right now. God has his own string section. He's beautiful. And we've just looked at one 11 times a second pulsar and 16 millisecond pulsars, and you start seeing Psalm 48 come to life. But look down at verse 7. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. The, the whale songs could sound like this right here. Take a listen. We don't know the expanse of the worship that is continually surrounding the throne of God. And our songs are great, but God isn't banking on our songs because he is surrounded by a symphony that's bigger than our wildest dreams tonight. Stars sing and whales sing and the birds fly. And I just tried to imagine what would it sound like if you could just for a second be God and hear what he hears. I can't get us there tonight, but I, I came close. I had a friend who helped me with this little iPad program, and, and I'm not a DJ, but I, I just a little thing, just quickly, and I, I want you to see how this works. Now, this guy, we didn't look at his picture. He's PSR BO329-54, and he's only rotating one and a half times per second, which is not all that much, but we need him in our little experiment we're going to do here, okay? Um, and then we had the Vela Pulsar. You remember the Vela Pulsar, right? So that's that guy. That's a little too fast for what we're trying to do, so we're going to slow that down, okay? And so we're going to put the, uh, the millisecond guys in there, the ones you just heard. Here they come.
whales? Okay, those same whales that you just saw, undoctored and unedited, here they come. Stars and whales? 